struck down by the plague. <clears throat> Sometimes it feels like 1349. Get well soon, Pam. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Alfred's World of Trousers, for their kind and unflagging support of the mission of us here at the Gates of Delirium to provide a small quantum of solace to those lost in the existential cosmos the Nietzschean desert of meaning. Trust me, you'll found it here at the Gates of Delirium. Wednesday nights, 6 to 8, coming to you from the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco, California.
That was Benefield's Time Machine by Spock's Beard. Before that, we heard Eternity's Breath Part 1 from the Mahavishnu Orchestra. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. We're going to continue with two from now from Hydria Space Folk. Terra Hydria, number one.
Like a cancer growth is removed by skill. Let it be revealed. A waterfall is like a An
If I told you that mine would be the last voice that you ever heard, would you be concerned?
other here go pump. I'm somewhere around that other here go pump. The Indians were on the bell, Carmel That was Pink, um, no, that was <clears throat> Frank Zappa. Pink of Rose, Mothers of Invention. Before that, we heard a classic from Genesis with Peter Gabriel. That was the first of fifth from the album Selling Angels by the Pound, around 1965. One of the seminal Albums of my musical development. <clears throat> it's more than just a question of sounds. 
We're going to listen to a couple of space, uh, space prog tunes now. Moving on with Gong, a sprinkling of clouds. After that will be Osric Tentacles. Are listening to The Gates of Delirium here on MutinyRadio.fm.
welcome to the Gates of Delirium.
release me now. Swimming through a sea of podcasts. 
I on a raft without a pattern. We'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Namaste. Every Monday at 6 p.m., it's Joke Workshop, streaming live on mutinyradio.fm. Lift the veil from your third eye on joke creation and what it takes to be a stand-up comic in the five shakasanas of San Francisco's comedy scene. This all-ages open mic invites comedy. Oh, pre-sign by Venmoing two to five dollars at Mutiny Radio. Join us live for a small and special audience at the Mutiny Radio Studio and Gallery Performance Space, two seven eight one Twenty First Street, at Florida Street, in the deep, deep, deep Mission. Every Monday at six p.m. Does my ponytail look cool? Thank you. Namaste. Tuesday used to be the most unlikely night for fun. But every week at 6 p.m., come to OMG's Tuesday Open Mic. And see comics work out new material for free. For free. They get your Tuesday night party on with two-for-one well drink specials during the 6 to 8 p.m. show. Check out Eventbrite to reserve your free seat every Tuesday at 6 p.m. At OMG on Savory 6th Street. Savory 6th Street. Show up to go up. The best barbecue in San Francisco and free comedy? Come get messy with the sauce every Wednesday, 7 p.m. at Baby Blues Barbecue at 3149 Mission Street, just past Cesar Chavez. Hilarious Bay Area stand-up comics, amazing smoked meats, and $5 cans of standard deviant brew. This neighborhood gym is a bizarre and fun weekday night treat with free comedy to tickle your ribs. Join your friends from Mutiny Radio every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. at Baby Blues Barbecue. Reserve your free tickets on Eventbrite to let us know you're coming to laugh. Yeehoo! Hey, kids. It's your pal, Spiderman. <laughs> Sorry, Spiderman. Mortimer Spiderman. When I'm not swinging through the senior facility, best in Mysterio at Boggle, or getting beautifully plowed by the rhino, I'm headed down to Mutiny Radio at the corner of 21st and Florida. They got some schlemiels doing the laugh laugh. But hey, don't be a schmuck and donate 2 to $5 on... Hold, hold on, what is this? Let me get my glasses. The print's too small. Hold on. Venmo? That's not real. What is that, Swedish? You knew that, right? This is in San Francisco. I'll drown it on. I'll, it's nap time. The year is 2023. Oh, I 
wish that laughter had value and the unexpected laugh was priceless. Worry not, true entertainment has brought us a savior in whosthatlive.com. Oh, finally, an escape from the apocalyptic nightmare I live in. You can go to whosthatlive.com and buy comedy tickets. And you're in the raffle, I guess. True, 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 true productions. Weekly comedy at the best neighborhood bar in the city. Join your friends from Mutiny Radio every Thursday at 8 p.m. at the bar on Dolores at 29th and Dolores. Starting after any very important sports game that might happen to be on, you're guaranteed a night of laughter for free. And when paired with the drink specials and the nicest bartender in San Francisco, it'll become a Thursday ritual. Show up to go out for comics, and please reserve your free tickets on Eventbrite so we know you're coming to laugh. There is <laughs> happy, happy hour the, is when the comedy is the cheapest. Happy hour, the most free two hours of hour-long comedy on the radio and internet streaming live at 2781 21st Street. Come down. Be in the audience. Dog friendly. Dog friendly. We are. Mutiny Radio is absolutely dog friendly. Ooh, a dog party. Ain't no party like a dog party. Every Friday, dog party. Happy hour. Mutiny Radio. FM. Here in SF. Calling all crusties, punks, and poses. Pick your posteriors up off the pavement. Pack up your pins and patches and prepare to party. The Pacific Northwest Vest Fest returns this Saturday only at the SeaTac Expo Center. Whether you're a leather lover or just a denim demon, if you're looking to dress to impress for less, do not stress. You'll find all the best in pre-distressed vests right here at the Pacific Northwest Vest Fest. With over 40 vendors selling countless crossover styles, you'll find the perfect thing for your scene. Metal, thrash, Walmart, high-vis, and everything in between. All in one place. One day only. Unless it's a jacket. If you need a jacket, take your square ass somewhere else. Never pay for fabric you don't need. And ditch the sleeves, but save the rest for the Pacific Northwest Fest Fest this Saturday only at SeaTac. Bring a can of PBR, get it half price. Daddy, Daddy, what are we gonna do today? At 2 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon? Oh, over there at the parklet in front of Atlas Cafe for Titans of Comedy. That that's Titans of Comedy. Apparently they've got great sandwiches, cafe drinks, and even some of my favorite beverages, like beer, wine, and sangria. All the things I drink to forget your mother. I knew Uncle Blake says you smell like a brewery. What did I say about interrupting me? Anywho, right here on 20th and Alabama in the Deep Mission, paired with tasty comedy from Bay Area's favorite comics. For free! Every Saturday. Or at least the two Saturdays a month that the court mandates I have to see you. It's sunshine, and even in the drizzle, but not too much. Hey, Daddy, remember after soccer practice when it was raining and you didn't come? I really don't. Anywho. You take it with the freezers. Reservations on Eventbrite. Stuck in public schools. In a tri-level dual world of stand-up comedy, laughter has value and the unexpected laugh is priceless. 
whoisthatlive.com. Comedy local shows on sale now. Everyone that purchases a ticket will automatically be entered into a true <laughs> drawing. Who wants to focus on the genre of stand-up comedy and those that <laughs> go to whoisthatlive.com for upcoming shows. sad season. The phrase came to Charlie an instant after the alarm clock had waked him and named for him an amorphous depression that had troubled him all the previous evening. The sky outside his window was black. He sat up in the bed and pulled the light chain that hung in front of his nose. Christmas is a very sad day of the year, he thought. Of all the millions of people in New York, I am practically the only one who has to get up in the cold black of 6 a.m. on Christmas Day in the morning. I am practically the only one. He dressed, and when he went downstairs from the top floor of the rooming house in which he lived, the only sounds he heard were the coarse sounds of sleep. The only lights burning were lights that had been forgotten. Charlie ate some breakfast in an all-night lunch wagon and took an elevated train uptown. From Third Avenue, he walked over to Sutton Place. The neighborhood was dark. House after house put into the shine of the streetlights a wall of black windows. Millions and millions were sleeping, and this general loss of consciousness generated an impression of abandonment, as if this were the fall of the city, the end of time. He opened the iron and glass doors of the apartment building where he had been working six months as an elevator operator and went through the elegant lobby to a locker room at the back. He put on a striped vest with brass buttons, a false ascot, a pair of pants with a light blue stripe on the seam, and a coat. The night elevator man was dozing on the little bench in the car. Charlie woke him. The night elevator man told him thickly that the door, day doorman had been taken sick and wouldn't be in that day. With the doorman sick, Charlie wouldn't have any relief for lunch, and a lot of people would expect him to whistle for cabs. 
Charlie had been on duty a few minutes when 14 rang, and Mrs. Ewing, who he happened to know, was kind of immortal. Mrs. Ewing hadn't been to bed yet, and she got into the elevator wearing a long dress under her fur coat. She was followed by her two funny-looking dogs. He took her down and watched her go out into the dark and take her dogs to the curb. She was only outside for a few minutes, then she came in and he took her up to 14 again. When she got off the elevator, she said, Merry Christmas, Charlie. Well, it isn't much of a holiday for me, Mrs. Ewing, he said. I think Christmas is a very sad season of the year. Oh, it isn't that people around here ain't generous. I mean, I get plenty of tips. But you see, I live alone in a furnished room, and I don't have any family or anything, and Christmas isn't much of a holiday for me. Oh, I'm sorry, Charlie, Mrs. Ewing said. I don't have any family myself. It is kind of sad when you're alone, isn't it? She called her dogs and followed them into her apartment. He went down. It was quiet then, and Charlie lighted a cigarette. The heating plant in the basement encompassed the building at that hour in a regular and profound vibration, and the sullen noises of arriving, arriving steam heat began to resound, first in the lobby and then to reverberate up through all the 16 stories. But this was a mechanical awakening, and it didn't lighten his loneliness or his petulance. The black air outside the glass doors had begun to turn blue, but the blue light seemed to have no source. It appeared in the middle of the air. It was a tearful light, and as it picked out the empty street, he wanted to cry. Then a cab drove up, and the waltzers got out, drunk and dressed in evening clothes, and he took them up to their penthouse. The waltzers got him to brooding about the difference between his life in a furnished room and the lives of the people overhead. It was terrible. Then the early churchgoers began to ring, but there were only three of these that morning. A few more went off to church at 8 o'clock, but the majority of the building remained unconscious, till the smell of bacon and coffee had begun to drift into the elevator shaft. At a little after 9, a nursemaid came down with a child. Both the nursemaid and the child had a deep tan and had just returned, he knew, from Bermuda. He had never been to Bermuda. He, Charlie, was a prisoner, confined eight hours a day to a six by eight elevator cage, which was confined in turn to a 16 story shaft. In one building or another, he had made his living as an elevator operator for 10 years. He estimated the average trip at about an eighth of a mile. And when he thought of the thousands of miles he had traveled, when he thought that he might have driven the car through the mists above the Caribbean and set it down on some coral beach in Bermuda, he held the narrowness of his travels against his passengers 
as if it were not the nature of the elevator, but the pressure of their lives that confined him, as if they had clipped his wings. He was thinking about this when the DePauls online rang. They wished him a Merry Christmas. Well, it's nice of you to think of me, he said, as they descended, but it isn't much of a holiday for me. Christmas is a sad season when you're poor. I live alone in a furnished room. I don't have any family. Who do you have dinner with, Charlie? Mrs. DePaul asked. I don't have any Christmas dinner, Charlie said. I just get a sandwich. Oh, Charlie. Mrs. DePaul was a stout woman with an impulsive heart and Charlie's plane struck at her holiday mood as if she had just been caught in a cloudburst. I do wish we could share our Christmas dinner with you, you know, she said. I come from Vermont, you know, and when I was a child, you know, we used to always have a great many people at our table, the mailman, you know, and the school teacher, and just anybody who didn't have any family of their own, you know, and I wish we could share our dinner with you the way we used to, you know, and I don't see any reason why we can't. Well, we can't have you at the table, you know, because you couldn't leave the elevator, could you? But just as soon as Mr. DePaul has carved the goose, I'll give you a ring, and I'll arrange a tray for you, you know, and I want you to come up and at least share our Christmas dinner. Charlie thanked them, and their generosity surprised him, but he wondered if, with the arrival of friends and relatives, they wouldn't forget their offer. Then old Mrs. Gadsden rang, and when she wished him a Merry Christmas, he hung his head. It isn't much of a holiday for me, Mrs. Gadsden, he said. Christmas is such a sad season if you're poor. You see, I don't have any family. I live alone in a furnished room. I don't have any family either, Charlie, Mrs. Gadsdale said. She spoke with a pointed lack of petulance, but her grace was forced. That is, I don't have any children with me today. I have three children and seven grandchildren, but none of them can see their way to coming east for Christmas with me. Oh, of course, I understand their problem. I know it is difficult to travel with children during the holidays, although I always seemed to manage it when I was their age. But people feel differently, and we mustn't condemn them for the things we can't understand. But I know how you feel, Charlie. I haven't any family either. I'm just as lonely as you. Mrs. Gadsdale's speech didn't move him. Maybe she was lonely, but she had a ten-room apartment. And three servants, and box, and box, and diamonds, and diamonds. And there were plenty of poor kids in the slums who would be happy at a chance at the food her cook threw away. Then he thought about poor kids. He sat down in a chair in the lobby and thought about them. 
they got the worst of it. Beginning in the fall, there was all this excitement about Christmas and how it was a day for them. After Thanksgiving, they couldn't miss it. It was fixed, so they couldn't miss it. The wreaths and decorations everywhere and bells ringing and trees in the park and Santa Clauses on every corner and pictures in the magazines and newspapers and... Show, baby, time to be gnarly, funky, rowdy, or just plain mellow. Whatever your heaviest emotion is, baby, we're bound to strike a raw nerve. So get it on. Docker Channing to read Chet Williamson's The Personal Touch. Thank you. Seed catalog, toss. Acme flyer, keep for Mary. Sports Illustrated, keep. Phone bill, electric bill, gas bill, keep, keep, keep. Damn it. Subscription renewal notice to Snoop. Toss. Joe pretty tossed, but the envelope landed face up, balanced on the edge of the wastebasket. He was about to tip it in when he noticed the words, personal message inside, on the lower left front. Personal my ass, he thought. But he picked it up and read it. Dear Mr. Pridey, we have not yet received your subscription renewal to Snoop, the magazine of electronic and personal surveillance. We trust that after having been a loyal subscriber for nine months, you will renew your subscription so that we may continue to send Snoop to you at 19 Marydale Drive. We do not have to remind you, Mr. Pridey, of the constant changes in surveillance technology and techniques. We are sure that in your own town of Sidewheel, New York, you have seen the consequences for yourself. 
So keep up to date on the latest in surveillance, Mr. Pridey. By sending 1195 in the enclosed prepaid envelope today. As one involved and or interested in the field of law enforcement, you cannot afford to be without Snoop, Mr. Pridey. Best regards, David Michelson, subscription director. P.S. If you choose not to resubscribe, Mr. Pridey, would you please take a moment and tell us why, using the enclosed postpaid envelope? Thank you, Mr. Pridey. Joe shook his head. Why? Who the Who did they think they were fooling? Pridey, said Joe to himself. Jesus. Mary's brother Hank had given Joe the subscription to Snoop for his birthday. As a joke, he said, winking at Joe lasciviously, a reference to the evening he and Hank had watched the Quincy girl undress in the apartment across the courtyard with the aid of Joe's binoculars. It had taken some imagination to satisfy Mary's curiosity about Hank's joke, and Joe still felt uncomfortable each time Snoop hit his mailbox. And now they wanted him to resubscribe? He's about to toss the letter again when he thought about the P.S. Tell us why. Maybe he'd do just that. He would get all his feelings about Snoop out of his system to let them know just how he felt about their personal message. Dear Mr. Michelson, I have chosen not to resubscribe to Snoop after having received it for nine months because I am sick and tired of computer-type messages that try to appear personal. I would much rather receive an honest request to dear subscriber than the phony garbage that keeps turning up in my mailbox. So do us a favor and don't send any more subscription renewal notice to me at 19 Marydale Drive in my lovely town of Sidewheel, New York, okay? Worst regards, Joseph H. Pretty. P.S. And it's pretty, not pridey. Teach your word processor to spell. Joe pulled the page out of the typewriter and stuffed it into his postpaid envelope. Two weeks later, he received another subscription renewal notice. As before, personal message inside was printed on the envelope. He was about to throw it away without opening it when he noticed his name was spelled correctly. Small favors, he muttered, sitting on the couch with Mary and tearing the envelope open. Could they, he wondered, be responding to his letter? Dear Mr. Pretty, Christ, another word processor job, at least they got the name right. We received your recent letter and are sorry that you have chosen not to resubscribe to Snoop, the magazine of electronic and personal surveillance. We hope, however, that you will reconsider, for if you resubscribe now, at the low price of $427.85 for the next nine issues. $427.85? What the hell? What happened to $1,195? We will be able to continue your subscription uninterrupted, bringing you all the latest news and updates on surveillance technology and techniques. And in today's world, Mr. Pretty, such knowledge should not be taken lightly. You'll learn techniques similar to those that led New York City law enforcement officials to the biggest heroin bust in history, that told members of the FBI of a plan to overthrow the state government of Montana by force, 
that alerted us to your own four-month affair with Rayette Squires. Shall we say within 10 days? Regards, David Michelson, subscription director. Joe got up, envelope and letter in hand, and went to the bedroom to get out the shoebox he'd hidden, the one with the money he'd been squirreling away for an outboard motor, the money even Mary didn't know about. When he counted it, it totaled $428.05, which made sense. This time, the return envelope wasn't prepaid. Thank you. It's nice to be here in Monterey. Nice, nice to be here in Monterey. This following program is dedicated to the people and the city of San Francisco, who may not know it, but they are beautiful, and so is their city. This is a very personal song, so if you cannot understand it, we suggest you fly Translove Airways to San Francisco, USA. Then maybe you'll understand this song. It will be worth it, if not for the sake of your, this song, but for your own peace of mind. Strobe lights beam, create streams. Walls move, minds do too. On a warm San Franciscan night. Oh, child, young child, feel all right on a warm San Franciscan night. Angels sing leather wings. 
jeans of blue, Harley Davidson's too. On a warm San Francisco night, old angel, young angel, feel alright. On a warm San Francisco night, I wasn't born there. Perhaps I'll die there. There's no place left to go. San Francisco. filled with hate heavens above he's on a street called love when will they ever learn old cop young cop feel uptight on a warm san francisco night the children are cool they don't raise fools it's an american dream Includes Indians too. San Francisco. Sing, 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 
I'm convinced of is that poetry can be fun. That doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, I suppose Richard Pryor has proved that the truth is sometimes very funny. But I like to write poems that are fun. And uh, I have a poem that's very universal. It is my most universal poem. And I feel that at Guggenheim Museum, I would like to read a universal poem. And so this is the poem I have found to be tremendously universal. It is called Homage to My Hips. Now I have to move out. I always have to show people what I'm talking about. One of the things I'm convinced of is that poetry can be fun. That doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, I suppose Richard Pryor has proved that the truth is sometimes very funny. But I like to write poems that are fun. And uh, I have a poem that's very universal. It is my most universal poem. And I feel that at Guggenheim Museum, I would like to read a universal poem. And so this is a poem I have found to be tremendously universal. It is called Homage to My Hips. These hips are big hips. They need space to move around in. They don't fit in a little petty places. These hips are free hips. They don't like to be held back. These hips have never been enslaved. They go where they want to go. They do what they want to do. These hips are mighty hips. These hips are magic hips. I have known them to put a spell on a man and spin him like a top. Homage to my hips. These hips are big hips. They need space to move around in. They don't fit in the little petty places. These hips are free hips. They don't like to be held back. 
These hips have never been enslaved. They go where they want to go. They do what they want to do. These hips are mighty hips. These hips are magic hips. I have known them to put a spell on a man and spin him like a top. I have some, some new poems and I would like to read a couple. I am I'm often surprised at the surprise of other people. Uh, I have read a, a number of things lately that are filled with, with uh, anger and disappointment and surprise at the cruelty of human beings. Generally, the human beings are in South and Central America. But uh, I find, since I know what possible cruelties there are in Lucille, uh, I'm not often surprised. And I think this is a poem. I think this is a poem about death. I thought you left me here. I some. It's my biggest fear. I won't be found. I'm often surprised at the surprise of other people. I have read a Seems like such a waste. This should be love. Don't look down on me. Of what you see, I know it's a shame. I got my works with me right between my knees, and I'm searching in vain. Till I'm calm. 
26. I'm free. I hope that this presentation will serve to give to you a better knowledge and a deeper understanding of your FBI. FBI. Your FBI. FBI. Your FBI. FBI. 